The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. This is Dr. Caroline O'Sullivan speaking, and you are listening to Holistic Pet Care, coming to you from Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona. Good morning, and thank you for listening. I wanted to encourage all of our listeners today to get involved by giving us a call at 347-215-6138 or sending questions to listeners at sylviaglobal.com. We'll be watching for those questions and taking phone calls all morning. This morning we are very, very privileged to have Tony Young here speaking to us about her lovely, lovely, lovely trouble-filled puppy named Strato. Um, Tony is um, an independent project manager for international music artists and groups. Extremely talented woman. Um, She is Rogue Artist Entertainment out of Las Vegas. And with her independent lifestyle, um, she is able to work from home, which, as we'll all find out soon, is so important for the story we're about to tell. Good morning, Connie. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning. (laughs) How, How is everything going this morning for you? Oh, good, you know, getting the uh, morning fog lifted with a good strong cup of coffee. <laughs> good for you. Yes, it's, it's a little bit earlier there than it is here. Um, now, what is what is Big Drago doing this morning? Drago is sitting here looking out the window, as he does. He's got his little watch spot here, feeling like he's useful, you know, just in case anybody <laughs> should show up in the neighborhood. He lets everybody know. <laughs> that is fantastic. He is. Uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful, wonderful dog. Now, um, let's start with at the beginning. Um, the yeah, the beginning. Um, you let's let's start with the dog de Bordeaux. Um, a very very large dog in every way. Um, mm-hmm. Spirit, appetite, and troubles. Um, and you had told me that you had started with baby boxers and then maybe uh-huh. getting into some bulldogs and then ended up getting your first Dong Big Bordeaux, um, uh, Big big Rogue, and you, yes. were, you were immediately hooked, is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I will never have another breed of dog. As much as um, I've loved boxers and bulldogs in the past, there's just something special about this breed. Uh, there, there, there are <laughs> now, <laughs> in so many just, ways. <laughs> indeed, and we're, we're about to get there at a mock speed, I think. Now, for you, you know, your, your uh, breed of choice now is the dog de Bordeaux, and um, mm-hmm. your addiction to them is much like my addiction to English Mastiffs, so I completely mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from. Now, you also, with Rogue, had experience with holistic approaches and acupuncture yes. and those types of modalities mm-hmm. um, prior to us meeting and your um, relationship with our current patient, Drago, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'd had, um, I lived in L.A. before I moved to Vegas, where there's more options for holistic care for animals. And Rogue had suffered from hot spots and, you know, a few issues here and there um, that I just didn't want to go through traditional medicine of steroids and antibiotics and all of that and started exploring more holistic methods of treating him with great success. So when I moved to Vegas, uh, I just couldn't find anybody. I'd actually read about you a little bit here and there in my search for um, a holistic (laughs) vet. Um, And it was just through a chain of circumstances that, you know, a friend gave me your number when I started seeing some issues with, actually it was with my rescue lady Ronan. Um, right. That I right, called right. you, right? And then I had just been told that Drago had Panos, not to worry about it. His funny little issues he was having as a puppy were just growing things, well, which let's, I let's start, let's, somewhat. Mm-hmm. 
let's start there, Tony, with the whole okay. um, the the growing things because for all of our listeners who adore, have, or have experience with giant breed dogs, mm-hmm. large breed dogs, I know that everyone can relate to this kind of story you're about to tell and your concern with your baby. You know, if he yes. if he's coming up from early ages, would you mind sharing that? Oh no, not at all. I um, he was a Christmas present from a very um, reputable breeder and came from, you know, I signed actually a show, qual- a show quality contract as him being a show dog. So from the time he was three months old, I was showing him. But even then, we started noticing his back was roaching a little bit and even some of the judges and other breeders had said, oh, well, he's, um, you know, they grow unevenly because they're gonna, he's going to be so big. And he was big to start with. At nine weeks, he was already 31 pounds, and Rogue, who was a good-sized dog, was 14 pounds at the same age. So that <laughs> should have been the first hint he was going to be, you know, a problem child. A problem um, child, yes. Yeah. And he um, would, you know, favor one front leg or another, uh, which I'd been familiar with panels, having our family raise Great Danes when I was young. So I was fairly familiar with the growing pains of, of a large breed dog, but it just seemed like it was a little more than that, especially with the roaching of his back. Um, can, you, can you describe that for our audience? What, what, it, what is roaching, and then what does it look like when, you're, when, when you started to see it? You have experience with it, of course, yeah. and then the, you know, with the diagnosis of your, you know, your panels and such. Um, what what did your dog actually look like? So if we were going to describe this to somebody that can't see our dogs or never had them, what did your roaching actually look like for him? Um, his back arched, kind of like a cockroach's back. That's probably where it comes to his roaching. <laughs> um, but it's also, I had a judge once ask me if my dog had to go to the bathroom because it looked like he was go- assuming about to assume the position. So right. it his instead of being a straight line with a slight curve where the tail starts, it would start just um, behind his shoulders, and then it was a hump. You know, it, it really he was curved, and not all the time though. But it turns out it was like when his elbows were bothering him, he would start arching his back to take the weight off the front elbows. When I was taking him to obedience classes here um, in the group classes, I noticed he would get a little tired earlier than normal. You know, he was a young puppy. He should have been very rambunctious. And at one point, he lifted his um, front right leg and started shaking it, like he'd had something on his paw, like if, you know, you wanted to shake something off your hand. And Uh I thought, that is the oddest thing. What is that? You know, I I couldn't believe that that could be Panos. Um, But again, you know, I, I... had um, no experience previously with what his issue turned out to be uh, until you actually nailed it when you recognized what it was. But you 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 yeah. know that you know Tim from an early age when you were in class with those types of things what would appear to be weight shifting. So as yes. you know, horses do the same thing if they're going to founder. You know they have pain in their hooves and such where they actually lean back or lean forward or side to mm-hmm. side, so you and I would be akin to limping, right, or trying to get right. but with our with our dogs and our horses and our other friends, they don't have that option since they're on all four, so they'll literally roll back or roll forward, and in his case, he would roll back, kind of weight shifting and taking the weight off those big old front legs of his, um, and you can imagine how exhausting that is, especially for a baby, when he's trying to get used to his body, and it hurts all the time. I can't decide where to go, where to lean. And then finally, I, as if you're, you know, when your fingers get numb or your wrist hurts or for many of us, a carpal tunnel type situation, one of our first impulses is sometimes to shake it out. You know, just, just shake yeah. it out. Maybe it'll feel a little bit better. But um, he, he started doing that early on. Is that correct, Tony? He was about six months. I think he was in his second um, level of obedience classes. The puppy classes, he was fine, you know, racing around, just having a great time, doing really well, playing with the other puppies, just a normal, healthy puppy. Um, uh-huh. It wasn't until he was about six months old, uh, and right. he was already 100 pounds, that I started really, yeah, I started really noticing. It was, it was a significant, where he would sit and hold one of his legs up. Um, right. Right. You know, or okay. he would shake it out like that. So, what did you do, Tony, for Drago with 
along the normal lines of traditional medicine, you know, what, what was your next step when you said, okay, something is wrong with my baby? What did you do? Well, I took him to a traditional vet um, and was, you know, they weren't exactly dismissive, but in their experience, looking at him, said, oh, he's probably just Panos. He's a large breed puppy. It's very common. And I accepted that because I, that was the experience I had had as well with previous dogs. Okay, well, that's what I thought it probably was. Um, it wasn't until Lady Ronan started showing some issues that, um, and right around then, a mutual friend gave me your number. And mm-hmm. I was so happy to have found a holistic you know, vet because I wasn't, there wasn't any other options for me to pursue that. Um, I could only go, my only resources were traditional veterinary medicine here until I found you. Mm. So the, what you're mentioning uh, repeatedly for the lameness issues, the bone pain issues that used to observe with Rago, genosteitis uh, is the, the, the sole name of our, our issue here that was suggested as a problem for Drago. And it literally is uh, an inflammation in the bone marrow or the bone cavity, uh, you know, these long bones on these quick-throwing dogs. Is that the understanding that you had with your experience yes. with being diagnosed with these guys? Uh, yeah, so and that's it's similar to a, a human that grows too fast. You know, I'm very tall. My father was very tall. We had growing pains. I knew exactly how it felt, so I can understand that. It, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just aches. Yeah, yeah it's just <laughs> aches. It's achy, achy. So uh, at that point, you... What did you do? You proceeded with traditional uh, anti-inflammatories or just... No, because I just... I didn't want to start pumping a young mastiff full of steroids or, you know... Oh, steroids. Or strong pink. Yeah. Um, I may have asked for some mild Uh painkillers, but again, you know, a lot of the advice I was given was just, you know, let him just... He'll outgrow it. Don't worry about it. He'll outgrow it. Just keep him comfortable. Don't let him run around too much. You know. And I, you know, it was also exploring different food sources for him. I was trying bone meal, supplements, um, all kinds of... I would go to the dog shows, and there was um, a vendor there that had all kinds of really interesting, holistic um, uh, additives supplements Mm -hmm. that I would try to see if, you know, those would help. Um, Not realizing that he was probably allergic to a lot of them because on top of, you know, the (laughs) growth issues, he was also developing allergies to everything. Um, That's right. That's right. That's part like 14 of his story, isn't it? My goodness. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, So you're you're trying very, um, through all of your resources and all of your might to make your your growing giant breed dog feel better and it's a little bit, it, I don't want to put words in your mouth a little bit frustrating um, I know yeah that it was very frustrating and yeah, expensive right. I was spending a lot of money on these supplements on you know mega C vitamin C getting him raw bones anything I could think of that was healthy and natural that could help him grow you know into a, a healthy older dog um, because, again, right. you know, having experience with if you don't start, the first year is so important that um, other health issues can result, you know, after that first year, if that first year isn't handled carefully. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially if they're, as he was showing, weight shifting, compensating, using one limb more than another, those types of things, when these giant breed bones and cartilage and all these supporting tissues are growing so darn fast, so darn fast. So yeah. if one's getting used, overused, underused, those types of things, as we learned later on anyway, um, <laughs> the more that we know about being large breed dog owners, about the importance, as you pointed out, of the first year of their life. And then with these giant dogs, the first two and a half years of their life, mm-hmm. making sure that we're so attentive to the small things and that not to overlook things that don't worry they'll get past it or don't worry about, you know, or, or the trying to control their growth or, you know, many things that are anecdotal or many things that uh, the people with the best intentions and trying to help just uh, sometimes it's just not enough. And so uh, if you don't mind sharing, how did we get from a paternal situation to getting getting him 
to surgery, right? I mean, that was that was one of his right. first unfortunate um, situations. So let, let's yeah. go there for our audience and explain oh, how did we get there. And thankfully, we did get there because, golly, if yeah. we hadn't known. Well, when you had come here to take a look at Lady Ronan, um, he was almost secondary at that point because her issue was. was so dramatic. Uh, and then once we you know, took care of that, um, I'd asked you to take a look at him, and you recommended that we take him to uh, the Craig Road, where you right. were associated where with. Yeah. yeah, to have Dr. Roach take a look at him and x-ray him. You know, let's take a, you, that's what you suggested. Let's take some x-rays and see what's going on there. And yeah. sure enough, that's when Dr. Roach and you came in and said he's got bone chips in his elbow joints. That's why he's so yeah. sensitive. And we were introduced to the Las Vegas uh, Veterinary Surgical Center here, which specializes in things like this, and Dr. Mason, who also reviewed the x-rays and looked at it and said this is a, it's, well, what is it, uh, FCP. Yeah, and, it's, a, it's, a, it's fragmented coronoid processes. It means that uh, you know the piece of the elbow during growth, uh, for whatever reason, either doesn't... Uh, grow together like it should but usually it just fragments just like it suggests off and you can imagine having these little bone chips floating around or grinding or moving as we try to move a you know it's a huge creature around or during the growth process right um yeah. so we're, it's just you know going down a certain road because that's the way things look you know or that the way it's suggested or nine times out of ten this is what this looks like um you guys were the exception to the rule <laughs> and uh and, and uh yeah it, it's served to be true with a lot of things with this big guy um but luckily we were able to get a really good clean diagnosis on him and mm-hmm. get him to the people who are experts in this field and that is not a holistic whole um it's not a holistic statement from somebody that wants to do non-traditional medicine. It's a holistic statement from somebody that wants to use every possible avenue, every possible tool in our toolbox to make our friends feel better. And um, luckily for us, we had those tools. You know, we could go from point A to point mm-hmm. B to point C, and, and everyone was, in my opinion, so cooperative and so supportive. And a bunch of people in a team that all they cared about was that he felt better, that Drago felt better. Yep. And that yeah. he, he got, yeah. <laughs> so if you could please kind of kind of go into that for our listening audience about how that felt for you with regard to not only finding out what's going on, being possibly being surprised by what was going on, and then looking down the road at some pretty um, um, amazingly huge options and decisions that you had to make yeah. for your baby boy. Well, I've always been a follower of naturopathic medicine for myself, personally. And I have a naturopathic doctor friend of mine in L.A. that had once taught me, let Western medicine diagnose and put you back together if you need surgery, but let Eastern medicine heal. Um, So with that philosophy, you know, when Dr. Mason explained the whole arthroscopy process of how they were going to go in, pull out the bone chips, scrape down the bone, drill holes in the long bone to allow the blood to flow um, it sounded so invasive, but I understood that this was a necessary process for him to heal. Um, uh-huh. But also understanding that once the surgery part was done, that was just step one in a long road of recovery. Um, right. So, you know, it, it was just heartbreaking to see a young dog who should have been running and playing and going through his obedience training and just, you know, being a happy boy in any kind of pain, you know, pre- and post-surgical. Um, but then, you know, we went through it. He came through it fairly fairly well. There was no infections, no, you know, post-surgical issues. But the recovery process was a long one, which included all the uh, resources I had at hand, which included, you know, not just the, the uh, surgical side of things, but you. And you were coming here and the work that you did and then the rehab that we did after that, um, mm-hmm. which, we, again, we were very lucky that they've got a really good rehab center at the surgical center. And these guys also right. follow a bit of a naturopathic view to things. Right. And then uh, let, let's spend a minute going into that because when I'm, I'm a firm believer 
when you have a surgeon, you have a a veterinarian that is primarily in uh, charge of your mm-hmm. healing of your your patient, your your friend, your um, that they are far and away, holistic or not, it doesn't matter. They are in charge of their post-operative healing instructions for your mm-hmm. friend, and that all of yes. the other things that we did together during house calls and such, which I'd like to go over in a moment. That included things like acupuncture, massage, cold laser mm-hmm. therapy, herbals, and such. Mm-hmm. We're all with the approval, it's kind of a strong yes. word, but with the approval of the surgeon. And that is so important because this, is, this was his surgery. This is his follow-up. This is his masterpiece. This is his expertise. Yes. So when a person makes a decision to put their healing into the hands and the scalpel and experience of a surgeon or whatever modality they have, that's a hundred percent commitment on everyone's part. So, in my yes. opinion, that so if you can go into that, because as you told, as you said, we're going to be headed towards a rehab center on top of all of this, which I think is a wonderful example of holistic thinking. You know, mm-hmm. with regard to thinking of the whole picture everybody's tools in their toolboxes, everybody that could help Drago, and, and sometimes every minute of every day. Because I remember yes. times when he needed, he needed somebody else besides me and he needed somebody in addition to you. And he, need, he needed, and not wanted, he needed for his recovery yeah. because he had major, major things going on. And luckily for everybody, um, things worked out quite well. And this is for all of our listeners. Actually, just step one in our story about Drago. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a long road. Well, we were lucky in that um, the people at the surgical center are open. Um, I mean, I know they, you know, the the surgeon kind of jokingly called it that voodoo that you do. Um, yeah, but he he's does, also, yeah. yeah, he's also acknowledged that if it works, to go for it. And keeping Drago very, very still so that he could heal properly and not chip again. Because I'll never forget the words you said, you know, you've got to be so careful with him because if it starts chipping again, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to run out of bone. And I was like, okay, he's not budging. He's not moving. I'm going to read these instructions to the letter. And it did help that I work from home and um, had a support system of, you know, people, somebody who was living here, my brother, who would also follow the instructions very carefully if I had to travel and keep him still and keep him, you know, just let him go out to go to the bathroom. Now, you know, uh, he has a habit of when he's happy and sees somebody he loves, he bounces. And it's like, no, don't bounce. <laughs> just stay still. Uh, especially when you would come to visit. <laughs> I know you're feeling better, but don't do that. Uh, so. Yeah. So up until this point, he is having some abnormalities moving around, mm-hmm. and then yeah. he gets diagnosed with having a uh, – and it's, it's the, the bone chip, the FCP, is more prevalent than people might think. And the whole idea of just giving two uh, pain meds and call me in the morning, sometimes we miss these things with these large dogs. And so mm-hmm. the idea of getting, a, getting an X-ray if needed and getting the proper diagnosis or – eliminating that as a problem is so important. If the x-rays are negative, that's as important as if they're positive because we want to make sure we eliminate as many potential issues as possible. Then you go down and you speak to these wonderful people and these wonderful surgeons and you get this pretty pretty big surgery for the puppy to get mm-hmm. these chips out of his elbows. And he Which comes home with his instructions from his surgeon and his holistic house call friend and then mm-hmm. you start some rehabilitation, which this is so important because the rehabilitation that you were able to give or we were able to share with Drago is not easy to find. Um, it no. is very, it's a very, very special thing. So why don't we talk about that for our listeners a little bit and um, all, all aspects of it because it's more okay. than just an underwater treadmill, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Well, luckily the arthroscopy, did I pronounce that right? Is yeah, that's fine. Not, it's, yeah, it's not so invasive. It was two, it looked like vampire bites on each elbow, um, which required like one or two stitches. So as soon as the stitches were out, we were able to start with rehab, which was an hour-long session once a week where it was half an hour in an underwater treadmill, 
which they with him they'd have to fill it up almost to the top <laughs> just to have him walk <laughs> underwater. Um, and then another half an hour of massage and various exercises, gradually getting more and more difficult of stepping over poles, of walking over pillows. And he saw it as playtime. He just loved it. And it's, um, it got to the point where we would just have to clear a path between reception and the door of the tank and let him go, and he would run straight into the tank, and it, it was never, not, even, not just not an issue. He looked so forward to that. It was just, and still does, you know, because we've had other issues that we continue that. Um, right, right. And, you know, and I also have a pool in warmer weather that I could, we, could, we taught him to swim laps around and actually had to start putting barriers around the pool because he loved it so much. He would try to go in and just lay on the top step because it felt cool on him. Um, but, he's, yeah, but he's developed, I mean, just a love for this. And the people, too. You know, they use coal lasers there. They, uh, the massage was so important as well keeping the inflammation down and the blood flowing and just but the way they are so caring with him. And a dog his size, it's not easy to wrestle and manipulate. Other than, you know, they actually made it so that it was pleasurable for him. And he, no, just, no, what, he what, thinks what, it's a doggy spa. Hmm? <laughs> when, they, when you were involved, now you were there during his treatments, is that correct? You stayed with him yes. while he was in rehab. And then did they give you homework assignments for you to work oh, on? Yes. I go at home, yes, right? They, it's, not just, it's not just an one hour a week, is it? No. 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 <laughs> no. It's, um, no. Well, that's why coming back home, you know, every couple of days, because I didn't want to overdo it, but every couple of days, you know, we'd set up actually, my brother, who's a contractor, built these little exercise things for him where we could walk him over poles, where I could um, put him in the pool Tony, and swim him in a couple you? of hours. Tony, can I interrupt you for a moment? It looks like we have a listener question. Um, oh. coming in. Hello? Yes. Oh, oh, there you go. Oh, okay, so the listener question is a type-in, so I just want to read it to you, okay? Um, let's see okay. what we can do. Uh, the listener question, what advice could you give to someone who has a puppy healing from surgery but works out of the home? You know, so like the majority of us, right? So um, yeah. what advice could you give to someone who has a puppy or a gigantic puppy, let's say, healing from surgery but works out of the home. What do you think? What do you think, Tony? What would you tell him? Well, I would just, what I had done when I had to go out um, is keep him confined. Now, a large puppy, I mean, I have a large crate, um, but he's already outgrown that. I would cordon off an area of my office that just to keep him with a bed and food and all of that, just to keep him in a very limited area that he couldn't move around too much in, but still, you know, be able to stretch out um, and get to what he needed to get to. It, um, I think that was probably one of the most important parts of the early yeah. recovery stages was keeping him confined in, a, in an area he couldn't move too much in because they've got to keep the weight off of that so it, it can heal. And then coming home, you know, spend as much time as possible with them, which I understand is hard when somebody works out of the home. You know, you come home, you're tired. The last thing you want to do is have to deal with exercising, the, going through the exercises, um, do it, dealing with the massage yourself, which I don't think I, you know, I did do some of um, as patient as he would be with me because, again, he would always think it's playtime. You know, oh, Mommy's right. touching me. Let's play. No, <laughs> this is supposed so to be I, a serious so with, moment. With, with, the, with my personal dogs and, of course, with my clients and patients and such, that sometimes we can be lucky enough where you have a friend or a neighbor or a doggy daycare situation or even people yeah. that will come and stay, doggy babysitters in your house. And those services are um, available, and you want to make sure that you know these people, they have references, and maybe sometimes the animal hospitals that, um, that have the technicians or um, they have people that work there that are reputable and are referred to you by the hospital themselves can come in and take care of your friends while you're not there. And I do know um, in a couple situations when I was in Las Vegas that that's exactly what happened with regards mm -hmm. to either rehab technicians or veterinary license uh, technicians or um, 
people that have hands-on experience as just kind of not necessarily part of their company, but just as a sideline and uh, making sure that their patients and their investment are well taken care of at home as well as in the office. So um, that, that was a really great question. So thank you very much. I want to encourage our listeners to continue to ask us their personal questions because this is what this show is all about by calling 347-215-6138 with a live question or get a hold of us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com at any time during this show. Thank you very much. Now, Sonia, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Um, So we made it through our front elbow, you know, our elbows on our Mm -hmm. front end of our big brand here. And then... Can you share what happened with our rear end, Andrego? Yes. Um, he finally fully <laughs> recovered from his elbow surgery and was an active puppy again. We were just I was so thrilled. You know, we'd also been dealing with some of his allergy issues. And I just remember that you and I looked at him running around my front yard one day, and we just read the sigh of relief that, finally, He's a normal dog. About a week after that, I'm walking him um, for our evening walks, and I have a little exercise I do with him as part of his training. I live in a cul-de-sac, um, very little traffic here. So always teaching a dog to go home in case anything should happen. You know, if there should ever be an accident or something or, you know, whatever, just it's part of my training with him. So I take uh-huh. him to the end of the yeah. cul-de-sac, let him off leash, and say, go home. And he went running across the street, and all of a sudden I see his back leg lift up, and he's limping into the front yard. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. He blew another tire. Ooh. And he ended That's up. That's right, blew another tire, blew another tire. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he uh, he tore his ACL and ended up having to have TPLO surgery. All right, let's let's slow down with that, Tony, because that's yes. a lot of acronyms, isn't it? Uh, so yeah. The, the, okay, so the ACL, an anterior cruciate ligament, and that term is used for humans, um, and we normally see that with our, what, our basketball players, football players, um, Sporting events where you're moving, 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 and you plant your leg and turn very quickly, you know, with a lot of pressure. And uh, this this um, um, this ligament here, it, it literally holds your femur, your big bone on top, to your tibia, the littler bone um, below your knee. And in veterinary medicine, it's called a CCL, a cranial cruciate, and those uh, will just either they start to kind of spray, just like a rope that's spraying you know, strand by strand by strand, or sometimes it just snaps. And that has to do with the health of that joint, the health of the cranial cruciate, the um, constitutional uh, and genetic building blocks, you know, how was I put together? Am I too steep, too this, too that, um, not enough of this, not enough of that? And when we have these giant dogs that grow at accelerated rates and for any reason put too much stress on one leg over the course of time or all of a sudden running across the front yard after feeling so great, having four good tires maybe for the first time in his life, um, and it is painful. Did he tell you that? Tell me when that happened. Did he tell um, you how painful it was? Yeah, he was not happy. I yeah. and luckily I recognized immediately what had happened, and I took. Can you tell it, our audience it was, what uh, it looked like? Sorry. Sorry, I'm Can you tell our audience what it looked like? Did he? I call it chicken, chicken winging, where they pull their legs yes. straight up and they hold his legs like straight up. And yeah, it, that's exactly what it looked like. Um, and he couldn't put any weight on it. He would, um, you know, and he's such a stoic dog. He'd been through so much already. He didn't cry. He didn't yelp. He didn't do what probably a normal, smaller breed dog would do. He just looked at me like, really? Ow. (laughs) The way I knew that he was in really intense pain was when I took him to the surgical center. They have an emergency area. Okay. And he is normally, as you know, a loving beautiful, just affectionate dog, he got snappy. He snapped at oh. technicians. Yeah. Um, and they, 
you know, they couldn't believe it because everybody there loved him and knew him, but he wasn't having it. He just didn't want anybody near him. He was putting himself into a corner, which for a dog his size, you know, was a significant move, um, and just wouldn't let anybody near him. They actually had to sneak up behind him, sedate him, knock him out to put him, you know, to even go x-ray him. And at that point, I knew he must be in excruciating pain to behave like that. Good for you, Sonic. Good for you. That's so important that it's so important that people recognize that 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 whether it's in a dog that just blew a knee, it's a dog that has chronic pain, it's a dog that's older, a dog that's or humans or cats or any creature mm-hmm. when we're extremely stoic, stoic when we don't send those you know screaming messages to our people that yeah. being snappy being super quiet, backing into a corner, you know, being a little bit threatening, saying, leave me alone, don't touch me, um, Mm -hmm. as an abnormal behavior or even a slow progression of behavior, one of the first things that I want everyone to think about is, is my friend in pain? You know, are they trying to hide it? Is it sudden? Are are they in pain? Um, And that's so important, isn't it? Because if we're not paying attention or we're not glued to our friend is Tony. I'm going to tell the world that you are glued to Draco, yeah. and Draco is glued yeah. to you, and I'm guessing that he's sitting right there with you right now. Um, that mm-hmm. being, attentive, being attentive to these guys from, in your case, and in all cases, from the minute they come into our lives, and in your case, he was telling you pretty amazing things that um, good news, bad news taught you so much about orthopedic problems <laughs> in these guys. Yeah. So, well, what was our next step here? You're at the emergency room at the uh, referral center, and they sedate him, and I'm guessing they went and took an x-ray of his leg, and they did some, mm-hmm. a test called a cranial drawer, and they diagnosed him. Yeah. And what, what happened? What happened then? What did they tell you? Uh, he needed surgery. He needed, uh, well, we talked about the different options, uh, and of course, me being the Google queen, I'm researching every possible option on what TPL surgery means. <laughs> Yeah. So you know, I know that I know that I probably drive Doctor Mason nuts, but I'm asked you know the million questions. Well, what about this rubber band thingy? And yeah, no, and he, no. yeah it turns out that he's no. really an expert at these. How many you know TPL surgeries he's done? Um, now, did he? Now you 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 did you were the Google Queen and you went looking up now um, a TPLO. Tibial plateau leveling osteotomy. That's what those letters stand for. And literally, literally, the tibia, the small bone below the knee, is slanted forward in many cases, causing a lot of pressure as they walk on these ligaments. So the tibial plateau leveling osteotomy is where the bone is actually, uh, part of the tibia is moved up and they plate it in order to give the dog a level walking field versus walking downhill. Now, that's, that's a very, very um, simplistic way of looking at it. It is extremely complicated surgery, and that only only experts, in my opinion, should do it. You know, either the training they go through, and it, you have to, uh, as bigger they are, you have to measure, measure the angle, you have to measure the plates, you have to measure the screw. I mean, there, there's so much that goes along with it, and I am not a surgeon, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, I have, however, gone through it with <laughs> quite a few of my clients, and um, my own personal dog had both of his knees done at the same time because he blew them both at the same moment, and then one of his surgeries had to get redone for uh, no, there was no, uh, uh, it was it was a, more of a problem with the dog than the surgery, and so I understand the TPLL. I understand mm-hmm. being a doctor, a veterinarian, and being a patient and being a client at the same time because I was I was his mom and his doctor at the same moment. So you can imagine where my emotions were. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so he he has two his front his front tires his front legs had pretty good surgery done on he heals well and then he blows the rear tire not to make it too simplistic. So you go back to the same surgeon yes and yes. he gives he gives you a. The, the long and the short of what needs to be done to to get long term uh, success with the knee is that is that a fair way to say it? Yes, and uh, he he bless him walked me through all the options. Rubber band thingy won't work because he's too large of a dog. Even uh-huh. a normal plate because of, he's now 150 pounds um, uh-huh. 
wouldn't work. And I believe that the plate we put in was something they would actually use for a pony. It's the largest one they make. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, he is. Yeah, he is a a bit of a pony himself. And uh, he explained the whole surgery to me, how it was going to work, the possible things that could go wrong, infections, you know, and again, why it was so important for the the post-surgical recovery process. Uh, but he himself had seen, you know, the the results of our work with the elbows and completely agreed if it works, whatever you need to do to, to heal him, let's do it. So we had the surgery, you know, that weekend. I wasn't going to wait a minute um, on this. You know, I, I just didn't want him to be in a moment's more pain than he had to. And I was amazed when after the surgery we get home, he heads to the front yard and lifts his leg and is putting weight on the leg that had just had surgery. <laughs> My first thought was, no! <laughs> but they said, you're not supposed to put any weight on that leg. But obviously he was feeling better and the plate was working because he was able to put weight on it. Yes, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Now, I wanted to make the point um, that is sometimes very difficult uh, with the the prospect of going in and sending your loved one into surgery, general anesthesia, orthopedic surgeries, or many other kinds of surgeries, there's there it's scary. Okay, and I can this is speaking as a as an as an owner, as a mom, as a um, all those types of things. That it, there's a lot of consideration when you're trying to be your pet's advocate. You're responsible for them. Mm-hmm that asking a hundred questions is so important to your own confidence level, your you know, your information and making a full uh, uh, education that runs the whole gamut of today, tomorrow, and forever after because there are uh, implications for healing, health, mobility, those types of things, just like with humans. So what you mm-hmm. did with asking a hundred questions and you know how I feel about the internet sometimes, but you know, being the Google mom, but uh, and having your surgeon answering all your questions and making you feel comfortable and such is so important. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I can tell you from my experience, and that hopefully you can back me up here, is that when you have these orthopedic issues, many times they come out of surgery more comfortable than they went in. And a lot of yeah. pe- a lot of folks think that you're going to be, you know, very painful or tired or not being able to do this. And I can tell you from personal experience, with these painful, stoic, compensating, orthopedic issues, many times they come out and say hi to you after surgery, more comfortable and more ambulatory than they went in. Not meaning that you have to do all your post-op rest and recuperation, but it's um, it's quite a breath of fresh air and relief to see these guys feel more comfortable when they come out. Was, is that, was that your experience with, with Drago? Absolutely, absolutely. And I didn't regret, you know, even though it was a weekend and saying, I don't care, I'll pay the extra money. He needs the surgery now. I, you know, it just broke my heart to see him in any kind of pain. Um, and then to see him putting weight on it as soon as he was back, I, I just knew I'd done the right thing. And then, you know, going through the post-op thing. I, there were times when I would actually have to sedate him, though, um, to keep him from bouncing around on that because he was feeling so much better. <laughs> he just didn't seem to realize that he needed to recover and not put weight on it. And then and then we're three tires down at this point, aren't we? I mean, he was, what, 150 pounds yeah. at that point in time, something like that? And yeah. He's had and pretty amazing structural stuff on three out of four of his limbs. So it's so important to keep quiet because you don't want to redo any of those things right well um, we noticed that I, he started favoring his front leg again um i remember because yeah and i think i remember yeah and um dr mason had actually we'd been talking about the plasma injection therapy because here yeah. he's going through rehab after the tplo surgery the underwater treadmill massage cold laser you know the whole thing gamut again and all I could think of was like, no, you know, I thought we sorted that problem out. Um, and we did. We did the plasma injection therapy. He has never had a problem since. He's responded very well to everything we've done with him holistically and surgically. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big proponent now of, you know, just listening to all the advice, making informed decisions. 
and, and did you do um, but, Tony? Did you do that? You did the vet stem, the the uh, stem cell injections, the plasma stem cell injections. Uh, the or plasma injections, every it yeah. It was um, from what I understand, it's different from the stem cell. It's okay. a it's right. fairly experimental. He's so what, actually writing a paper on it. Good. So so you got you got a plasma cell injection in mm-hmm. in, in your basically your gigantic puppy to help him with his ongoing discomfort in his joints? Or why don't you explain that to our listening audience, what what you were able to get exposed to that was helpful for you, because that's important. Yeah, um, from what I understand, and, you know, not being a medical professional, I may, you know, not get the vernacular right, he, uh, they take his own blood, they spin out the plasma, and then inject that plasma into the joint area. And it, um, it, they're doing it with humans as well. And it relieves it, the arthritic after effects, yeah. I believe, of the, of the surgery. And yeah. all I know is it was magic and it worked. <laughs> he just, um, <laughs> he responded magic. so well to it. You know, and I remember when Dr. Mason came and saw him in the underwater treadmill moving beautifully. You know, and just being very proud of his own work, of course. But uh, I could also say that it had a lot to do with just the incredible care of the rehab a staff, you, Indeed. and, you know, somewhat me, you know, trying to make sure that when he was home, he did his homework right. But, uh, yeah, just everything that we have done with him has worked. So tell us tell us what Drago is doing now these days, because he's been through a lot, hasn't he? He's, uh, yeah. he's just turning three years old, and he is, what, 160-plus pounds? And yeah. tell, us, tell us what he's doing. What's he, what's he up to these days? Well, after we finished the rehab on the TPLO, um, he was thin. He, he was very thin, almost emaciated, and, um, which I took personally because I try to take very good care of my dogs. And he kind of had a ridge of, along his spine, and we realized his muscles hadn't really developed as well as they should have because he spent so much of his formative years recovering from one surgery or another. So we did another round of the underwater treadmill and some exercise and a massage just to help develop some of his muscle tone, um, as well as regular walks and swimming him. But he loved the underwater treadmill so much, and it's such great exercise for him. And we also came up with the idea that if we can get his muscle tone strong, then we may be able to avoid having his fourth tire blow and, you know, just let his his um, body develop in a way that it was supposed to. Now, he'll never be the perfectly formed dog that, you know, he could have been if he hadn't had these joint issues. His back still has a little bit of a curve. But we watched just the, the next round of 10 weeks of this therapy. He put weight back on. His muscle tone improved. He was having fun with it. And now I can honestly say... There is nothing wrong with this dog. We've finally also addressed his allergy issues with the food I was right. feeding him. So right. his rashes that he had, um, his you know food sensitivities have now been addressed. And I'm looking at a very healthy weight, lazy beast <laughs> who um, can run around in his goofy way. You know, he's he's like I said, he's never going to be a graceful dog, but he is a very healthy, happy, active dog now. You would never know that there'd ever really been anything wrong with him except for, you know, he's just not perfectly formed. <laughs> but, you know, when you have a hundred perfect to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, who, well, whose who's definition of perfect are we talking about? It's just, that's too silly. Yeah, now, well, the confirmation last... of the breed. <laughs> that's, yeah, so no, no, more, no more show judging for him, I guess, right? No, uh, he was okay, retired next... at seven months. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so impressive. Now, Tony... Here is a topic that's going to be an entirely new show, but I'm going to ask you to try and skin it down because this is also very, very important. He had allergies, and that I know, mm-hmm. I believe that you did some testing on him to eliminate the big food groups, the big things he can't eat because they just kept setting him off and setting him off and setting him off. Can you go into that? Because allergies are such a huge problem, not only for the foods that, that are offered as commercial diets, 
but also for the choices that of the ingredients that are in food. And if you don't mind, um, tell us what drove you to it, because I remember, and I remember doing herbals, I remember doing food management, I remember yeah. doing so much stuff for him, and he was so um, responsive and then maybe not so much, and then responsive, maybe not so much. So if you don't mind going into that, and then I've got one question coming up here. Maybe we can answer that first. And, um, oh, why do you think your dog had so many orthopedic issues so early on. So that, that's well, an open-ended I, yeah. question, Tony. What do you think? Uh, I spoke to the breeders, and they believed that they had, um, them on the mother's side, uh, because uh-huh. this dog was picked for longevity, having lost, you know, my one before at six and a half from a brain tumor. This dog had been chosen for longevity in his line. They felt that there may have been issues along the mother's line that they had not been aware of, that there, it was a genetic um, passed down from uh, breeders trying to breed these dogs for size. Um, yes, yes, exactly right, know, exactly right. Rather than, you know, temperament and conformation and everything else because they are a mastiff breed and some, you know, Americans tend to like the things big. And, <laughs> and he, his line, you know, and he was one of two in a litter, which is, you know, there's usually 10 to 12 in a litter. Yeah. And he was a big boy to start with. So he was, too, you know, just grew too big, too fast with some genetic issues from Bad breed, and I don't want to say bad breeding. Miss, uh, they didn't. I don't believe ever that a breeder wants to have a dog with joint issues. You know, they just don't think about that when they um, when they're you know trying to breed certain traits into a dog. There's sometimes side effects from it, and that's one of them. And the allergies as well, I believe, could be come could have come from this. you know, th- that are growing too, too fast or having, you know, antibiotics and, you know, all these things he had to have from the surgeries. I yeah, finally... Yeah, you system and, and you're kind of a, having a deficient and then chronic stress and then chronic yes. medications and chronic at such a young age while they're developing not only their immune system but their bone structure, which has their bone marrow, which is responsible for the immune system. I mean, they're so, mm-hmm. it's so complex. But with you calling the breeder... And just and just saying, hey, this is what's going on here. What do you think, or what do you know? How, how important do you think it is, Tony, that you are, have a good relationship with, or ask these questions prior to getting an, a family member? Because I know that. Uh, um, oh, it's so um, important. So yeah, you do tell because I'm more of a rescue person than a bite from a breeder person. So you, you tell me, yeah. an audience, please. Well, looking at the parents of any of any puppy is important. You want to see both parents um, and look at their lines. You know, it's it's easier to do actually with purebred dogs with you know papers because you can go back to the breeders and the breeder. You know, because the average dog's lifespan is ten years. You can go back multiple generations and see if there's been any issues. Is there a history of of certain defects in joints or behavior or you know, any number of um, potential issues from a purebred dog that you can't really you know, get from um, mixed breeds. On the other hand, you have more of a potential for those kind of problems from breeding because when you're trying to breed the perfect confirmation, they, there tends to be a bit of inbreeding and those issues, they causes issues in these dogs. Um, especially the larger breeds. I see it in bulldogs. I've seen it in, you know, some boxers. But this, you know, mastiffs especially. And again, you know, to go back to the allergies, it, I'm sure a lot of that, I realize a lot of problems I probably had with Rogue and boxers before, that were the, was the food I was feeding them. And the allergy issues they had that I never, I would buy really expensive food for these dogs and not realize that that's the worst thing I could have done because I wasn't looking at the ingredients or understanding that they might have allergies to, of all things, poultry. You know, Drago's allergic to lamb, uh, poultry, salmon, of all things, grains, certain um, milks, you know, their, um, yeah, eggs. And what, so a lot what of is- food. Did you just end up being an avid label reader? Was that, was that oh, what it yes. just came down to after all of the work that everybody did? And with the best intentions, right? I mean, whether yeah. it's food or or the, the energetics of food, food mm-hmm. thermogenics, 
acupuncture, laser, herbals, you know, uh, was acupressure points that you were using, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of methodology. And it came straight down to read the darn label. Is that it? Would yeah. that be fair? That's <laughs> it. That's it. And it doesn't matter. I would spend so much money on really designer brand foods, you know, without really looking too deep at the label. And I finally realized I was looking at one bison food that was, you know, it's a gorgeous food, but partway down the way there was egg and chicken broth. Yeah, that explained the rashes. I found, um, you know, of all places, the Costco brand, Taste of the Wild. I read all those ingredients and couldn't find a single one that was on his list in red. And he's (laughs) responded really, really well, and it was half the price. Um, yeah, that's not going to be yeah. the case with all dogs because different dogs are allergic to different things if they have allergies. But in his case, you know, a beef-based, grain-free, no chicken, no egg, no, you know, um, and the right kind of additives, which are mostly vitamins and minerals, turned out to be the perfect food for him. You know, his skin, his coat is clear and shiny, and he's got great energy. And I also mix it with the wellness, um, which is just beef. You look at the ingredient. Beef. (laughs) Makes it easy. Tony, would it be fair to say that orthopedic problems aside, with your skin issues, which I think are going to have to be a whole other show, I like it. Yeah. Is he a a happier, more comfortable in my skin type of creature now that you've gotten that all kind of back into homeostasis, you know, where he's a little bit more in balance with the food, you know, Air you breathe, food you eat, only way to get energy, only way to get chi, only yes. way to get whatever you yes. need. And, and having that be out of whack, um, I imagine that was fundamentally discouraging for him and uncomfortable. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it makes a huge difference. You know, that and also you, you put us on that damp heat derma relief I put in his food every day that helps drain the hot, wet dog that he is. Yeah. He um, he is much more comfortable in his skin. He's not itchy. He's not a little cranky because he's itchy, which I can definitely understand. You know, yeah. if we have a rash and we're itching, it's just, ugh, I don't feel good. He's very much a different dog. He's, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You, Tony, if you, if you had to tell a, our listening audience, through everything you've been through with him in the next couple minutes here, what would what would you say to people that just about your experience with him and what that has meant to you, what it's meant to him and your relationship, and if you could spread the word, if you could, what would you tell people that might be in a possibly frustrating or saddening or head shaking experience with one of their four legged loved ones? Tell tell us what we what you would have to say because this is you've been through it, you've been the one. Yeah. Well, you know. I, I'm always about being informed, you know, be educated. And it was sometimes the simplest things that turned out to be the root of the issue. You know, like the, the thinking that it was growing pains and discovering it was panos. Ask questions. Look into things. Always, you know, be open to other options. And seeing the results, um, you know, I could have put him through a lot of, unnecessary things which has happened with other dogs Um, but with you know trying to be informed about things without being you know too too confused by it and finding people around me that I could trust like you like the vets at the um, surgical center who and the rehab techs you know that I think is is more than anything is just being informed and you know it's so difficult to make the right decision with, with someone we love if there's too much information thrown at us. It, you, know, it, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't be more right. And then also to, to have people that will answer your questions in a non-condescending yeah. way, just kind of like, yeah, okay, that's a good question, and here's where I stand on it, here's what I think about it. So yeah. uh, it's so, so important. Um, I want to invite you, Tony, back again because we have a lot to talk about that has just been <laughs> scratched the surface. On so many issues with this big guy. I want to thank you so much, Tony Young, for being uh, so willing to come and share about your big boy, Drago. And I hope everyone who's listening is seeing those wonderful pictures um, with him. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you've spent your time today listening to Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O out of the Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley. Please stay in touch with the 
um, upcoming shows. We've got a bunch of good things on schedule here, and you can get all of the information on Sylvia Global Network um, for the upcoming shows. And please feel free to send messages to listeners at sylviaglobal.com and call in with your questions. Thank you very much, Tony. I appreciate it, and good luck with your independent project managing. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you do me a favor and give Drago a big kiss for me and send me a current picture of him so I can see the success story of his wonderful skin, that would be a big Absolutely. Surprise.